I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. This episode is part of the silver lining theme in which I will try to explore some of the bright side of the COVID-19 crisis with some of my wisest friends. My guest today is a world-leading motivational speaker, Kevin Abderrahman. Kevin is a trusted advisor to world leaders, to presidents, to CEOs, and to royalty on the topic of public speaking and many other topics. In his successful podcast, How Do They Do It?, he has candid conversations with such leaders and thought leaders to tell us the stories of how they managed to achieve what they've managed to achieve. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to have you on the show. You're very kind. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's been a while since I wanted to have a conversation with the voice that I admire. Oh, that voice is the voice that I don't admire. I don't know if you know that. I, I know. Talking. I absolutely know that. Yeah. <laughs> and until today, actually, my production team will always send me copies of this podcast and say, you know, just listen to it and see if it's okay. And I'm like, no, this guy is the host is annoying. It's like, I don't like that voice. So I wanted to ask about your podcast. How do you do it? But let's come to that in a minute. I really want to start by asking how you've been holding up in the current situation in the lockdown. How is Dubai? How is life going on there with all of the economic crisis, oil prices and the lockdown? How are your loved ones? What's going on? We've been very blessed. The UAE is truly, I've been very fortunate to be able to call the UAE home. And with what they're doing and their leadership, we are quarantined at this present moment in time. We were quarantined for two weeks where they will let you go out for just necessary items. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we can come out once every three days. But I have an appreciation for the fact that they're putting these measures for an ultimate good, which is for everyone to be able to come back to what will be a new normal. But, you know, they're doing their best. And I'm very fortunate that I can um, say that my family are doing good. I wake up every morning and I make a conscious effort. And it's to do with something that I know a movie you enjoy is Forrest Gump. I was watching it recently. (laughs) My favorite movie ever. It's really good. I was watching it recently and there's a scene where he goes, there are many moments in life where you don't remember, but there are certain moments that you remember. And he's referring to a a scene in the bus. Mm -hmm. He remembers that first day on the bus or something along those lines. And for me, I remember a time when I was growing up in New Zealand where um, I had asthma and one evening I couldn't breathe. I panicked. My parents were in a panic. We had to jump in the car, go to the hospital. I had to go on a ventilating machine to be able to breathe. And that moment, this has been over 30 years, I think, or so, it's still very vivid in my mind. So when I wake up in the morning and I remember that I can breathe, I'm very grateful. And I happen to be in, in a great country as well. So I'm doing okay. That's amazing, man. Actually, this is really, uh, we should probably end the podcast now. I mean, this is it. This is the nugget of wisdom I was looking for. So I was asthmatic when I was young as well. And I remember vividly how, you know, I would wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning and just struggling for the next breath. Man, yes. That's all you want. Yeah. And suddenly everything else fades in the background. It's like, you know what? 
I don't need that Xbox. I don't need a fancy suit. I just want one more breath. And it's such an interesting thing to bring up now because COVID is all about that. And it's so interesting that you see it this way. And one thing you said, which is really interesting for me, is how grateful you are that you can go out once every three days. Don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here I ended up staying in London and I love the fact that I'm around here. It's spring now and, you know, it gives me so much time to reflect. But they allow us to go out for an hour a day of exercise. And everyone is very grumpy about the one hour a day while you're saying yes. once every three days is okay. Why is it okay once every three days? Is it too hot in Dubai already? Or? No, it's not hot. It's actually a great time to be out. And if anyone actually knows me, they would think that what I'm saying is extremely weird because I'm not the kind of person who stays at home. So what do you do at home? This has been a challenge that I've just had to accept. You know, I we went into this and it was a simple thing of, I mean, this is over years of self-talk and over years of developing Kevin Abdurrahman as a kid and who he was previously and where I am today. It's years of listening to people like yourself and going through life experiences and challenges to be able to come into this and go, hey, what we're facing is a serious situation. There are many things you can't control in life, Kevin. This is one of them. And I can complain that I'm not getting my Starbucks coffee, which I really love <laughs> and I have three or four times a day. I know you like coffee, so maybe Starbucks wasn't a good example for you. I love coffee. <laughs> all coffee is good, man. <laughs> and you get to a point where all coffee is good and I like to be out and I just like to have the freedom. And for me, freedom is stepping out and going to a coffee shop. That for me is, yeah. is the biggest freedom. To not to be able to do that is a challenge. But hey, what can you do? You're breathing, Kev. You're doing okay. Life will go on. Life will go on. So tell me about this developing young Kevin. I mean, how do you do it? You have so much influence on so many thought leaders and influentials around the world, and you're so young. So how did you end up being there? Closing on 40 now, so not that young. Oh, are you? Okay. Yes, I am. When you know how old I am, you would know that this is young. So <laughs> let's keep going with that conversation. I grew up as a kid who was stressed out to be successful. I wanted everything and I wanted it now. I was super stubborn. I was what they call a go-getter and I did well. And then life taught me a lesson and made me successful. And I say made me successful because it's kind of like what you say as well. We might think that we have control and I've come to realize in 2019, things were good for many people, but it was an illusion that things are in control, especially when times are good. Yeah. And this is a good reminder that never in life are you in control. Yeah, the biggest reminder ever. Yeah. Yeah, life is either playing along with you or in many cases, it won't, and you just have to deal with it and accept the way it is. So in a part of growing up, these are challenges. They might be first world problems, and by no means are they close to some of the challenges others have experienced. But the young Kevin grew up to experience his first challenge losing his dad. So I lost my father in 2004. I was still blessed to have him for about 23 years of my life. I was 23 or 24. But it was the kind of thing where within six months, I find out that my father has a brain tumor and he passes away. And it didn't register because this was the kind of thing that happens to other people. This was not the story that was going to happen to me. It just wasn't in the realm of my thought. And that was a big hit because it brought about anger. It brought about resentment of me not spending time with my dad. He was actually my best friend. That's when I came to realize the guy I lost was not just my dad. He was also my best friend. And I took the many times he wanted to actually... Unlike many fathers who I hear are very busy and they're doing their best to take care of their kids, the biggest complaint maybe a kid would have is my dad is not spending time with me. 
my dad was actively asking me to spend time and I would be, oh no, I'm going to hang out with my friends. Oh no, I'll do it tomorrow. I was just being a kid. I never knew that my time with him was limited. Yeah. So losing him was a um, turning point for me. 2007, the financial crisis taught me a lesson. I was very stubborn, arrogant. I guess I didn't have the wisdom and experience and humility that comes with thinking of worst case scenarios. And like many, the financial crisis caught me in. We lost everything. 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 I lost my home. I unfortunately, my actions also cost my family, my immediate family, like mom and brothers and everything. We lost our family home. That was more difficult to actually swallow. Lost the car, no income, couldn't buy a cup of coffee. I had to go to the Red Cross to get food. Oh my God. So for many weeks, it was toast, cheese, onions. I think that's about it. I don't know about the cheese, but I'm sure about the toast and onions. There was cheese. I apologize. There was cheese. It was nice. Man, from homes and the Dubai lifestyle and the cars and to nothing. To absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lesson. That is life putting you through the grinder big time. Absolutely. But you know, with that came a lot of peace. How come? With losing everything came a lot of peace. I will add one more to the um, challenges that were difficult for me and that has turned me to what I hope to be a better version. Uh, and that was a breakup in a relationship. These three things affected me physically, mentally, emotionally, and so forth. And there was peace. How can there be peace, Kevin? So you lose loved ones, you lose money, you lose livelihood, you cause harm to your family. So there is guilt and there is peace. How did you do that? The peace came about, it was a few years before the peace came about. And it was the peace that there are many things in life that you won't be able to control. And at best is you can learn to lead one day at a time and appreciate the things that actually matter the most, which to this very day is still something I have to consciously remind myself. So I'm by no means, by no means am I perfect, but it's a reminder. Like I had a reminder for myself last night, call mom today, have that conversation, right? You just don't know. Yeah. And it's not about my mom. It's about me. I, <laughs> exactly. This might be my last day, right? I was actually going to say that I'm surprised that you brought that up because a lot of people will say, call your mom. She's an old lady. Maybe she won't be here tomorrow. But, you know, you go through your story or my story and you realize I may not be here tomorrow. There is absolutely zero control. And I think the times we're going through now are an incredible example of zero control. I mean, 100%. You think back to January and all of your plans and trips and talks and speeches, and then poof, vanished completely. Literally, yeah. 100%. So how do you come out of that? How does this slum, if you want, get you to become the Kevin I know? It took me 10 years, in all honesty. When I reflect back on it, to come to a point, to the outer world, I was okay after two or three years. But if being honest with myself, knowing my potential, looking at my state of happiness, dealing with myself on my own, with myself in my own private time, it took me a good decade hmm. of working through it. It wasn't an easy process. Now, some people might be able to do it in two or three years, but my journey took that long. It was literally from the early 20s to my early 30s. I would say that was very much a testing ground. I have a number of clients who have in the last few weeks and a number of friends and they're going, Kevin, you are remarkably calm with what's going on <laughs> yeah. around here. And I'm like, man, I've been through this. I've been tested. I've gone through this. I feel 
a great deal for the people that are on the front line, the people that, you know, the nurses, the doctors, all these guys, these guys, I've been told these guys are risking their lives. I've been told stay at home. <laughs> that's, that's not too much to ask. Hey, we've got food. We're not sick. I can breathe. God bless Netflix. <laughs> and I get to have conversations with individuals like yourself when I can work on my podcast. Hey, I've got nothing to complain about. So it always goes back to my theory. Huh? It's how you set your expectations. And if you yes. compare to realistic expectations, you're okay, right? And in reality, I sometimes talk to people, and I think you started with spot on. The point is you can still breathe, right? 165,000 people around the world cannot anymore because we lost them to this. And you're still here and you're still breathing. So there is an element of I am grateful for that. My loved ones are okay. I'm grateful for that. Yes, 100%, man. And this has taken time, in all fairness. It's not something, when I was doing research, to have you on our podcast. Which will happen. I'm sure it will. I remember that you said that you went through Eckhart Tolle's book, The New Earth, like 17 times or something. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. It's on my list to listen to it. It's an incredible book. It's an incredible. A New Earth is a must, must read. But Eckhart Tolle speaks very slowly. I tell you openly, I mean, he alerted me to the idea that I'm not my brain. He calls it the thinker. And my brain really disliked that idea because I completely undressed it. Suddenly I'm like, I'm not listening to that thing anymore. And so every now and then it would creep on me. That's right. My way of training it was to say, okay, in that case, I will listen to all 17 hours of Eckhart Tolle talking very slowly again. And I think by the 17th time, my brain was like, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to do this again. You're the boss. You do what you want. I'm going to listen to you. And it was so much easier that way. And we need that. You know, like it's the reality of it. There are many things that, you know, individuals might hear this now and they might go, yeah, I know about gratitude, but do you really? Because I knew about gratitude 15 years ago, but my understanding of gratitude today is remarkably different. I feel gratitude. I appreciate gratitude. I sense it. I feel it. I truly understand the meaning of being grateful. When I was 25, I'll tell you, yes, I know what the word means and I get the concept, but those are two different things. And it requires that consciousness and that practice and everyone has their time, but you got to develop it like a muscle. Yeah, absolutely. It's a practice. It really is. It's literally like going to the gym. Your clients now I'm sure are panicking and they're telling you you're very, very calm. And you have to understand that, yes, they have reasons to panic. Some are losing money in their businesses. Some have invested in oil. And yesterday was the lowest price in, of oil in all time, or like at least in my lifetime. And there is so much going wrong. So what do you tell them? What's your advice? How can we help someone else be as calm as you and I in this situation? In all fairness, the individuals that I work with tend to be CEOs and world leaders. And very often a trait that these individuals have is come under pressure. Not everyone, but many of them, the majority of the time, because this won't be the first or the last fire that they have to put out. Absolutely. Uh, this is just an interesting and very disastrous fire, so to speak. It's like the wildfire in Australia, like the bushfires that, that was happening at the beginning of the year. But it's no different that if this is not the case, maybe in three months or in three years time, there's something else that they have to deal with. There are losses that are happening. There are gains that are happening in certain sectors. But everyone understands that, hey, the best that we can do is to just deal with what's happening on a day-by-day -day basis. Yeah, no point attempting to plan for the next three weeks or 10 weeks or 10 months. It's basically day-by-day, -day, right? 
oh, we all had big plans for 2020. That's all out the window. March, I had planned for March to be in 12 or 13 countries. And suddenly in the space of 24 hours was a long list of email cancellations. Your flights have been canceled. Your accommodation has been canceled. It was just a reminder that the illusion of control, it's just an illusion. We are never in control. At best, with all the planning with everything, it could all just go like a light switch. But don't you just love not having to travel? I was supposed to travel to seven countries in the last 10 days of March. Poof, gone. And I'm the happiest person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what that would have meant? Like two and a half trips around the world or something like that it was horrible. And I actually think of it as, of course, there were expectations and people may have lost money on some of the events and we had to refund uh, whatever payments we may have received and so on and so forth. But the idea is when you really think about it, there is still a silver lining. There is still something good about what's going on. Yes, 100%. What's going on? What's positive about your life today that you may not have had a month and a half ago? Then I'm capable of dealing with whatever life throws my way. I might not have the answer, and I don't have the answer. I definitely don't have the answer. You know, if I'm breathing, there is a way to figure it out. And with the internet today, the fact that we are blessed with the ability to, you know, I'm in Dubai, you're in the UK, we're able to connect. We're able to have this conversation. This is a blessing. So I might be quarantined in my room, but I'm connecting with someone who's six and a half hours away from me. That's a blessing. A lot of the great individuals whom I've studied, whom I've worked with, they don't have the answers. It's only when you look back in hindsight, you go, oh yeah, it's 2020. But none of them, as they were going through their journeys, whatever their journeys were, they might have not faced a COVID-19, so to speak, situation. But whatever their challenges were, they were just taking it one day at a time. It's only the fact that they were willing to go, hey, I will adjust, I will be agile, I will do whatever I need to do to come out the other end better. So that's something that I made a decision, I think the first or second day of being in quarantine. I just told myself, you don't know how long you're going to be in here. Everything has been canceled. You're not flying out anywhere. All you have to do is focus on releasing your podcast and more importantly, be able to come out the other side and have that conversation with yourself, Kev, and say, I've come out of this one way or another better, not worse. So I wasn't going to let myself gain weight. I didn't want to come out the other end fat. I have never done home workouts in my life before. I very much dislike it. Anyone that knows me knows that. I will travel 45 minutes to go to a gym because for me, just that setting of being in a gym, not that I do much. If you talk to my mom, she'll laugh and say, Kevin plays on his phone all the time. <laughs> Moms will always say that. But my method of working out has always, for the last 10, 15 years, always been outdoors. It's never been indoors. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse to come out the other end, whether it's three weeks or three months, to have come off worse off. If something is in my control, like working out, I'm going to go online and everything is available for free these days. I go on YouTube, I find a seven-minute workout, and I do it. And it feels good. I'm with you. I've actually, surprisingly, so my friends who work with me or travel with me or whatever will know that I used to be quite deliberate and focused on my workout. I used to do between six to eight workouts a week, and it was really going well, and it started to deteriorate over the last... Respect. Yeah. I mean, at my age, you can't keep fit otherwise. And basically, I started to deteriorate until I was down to two or three a week, which is my worst in 10 years, until they locked me down. 
and now I work out literally six days a week. It's wonderful, it's quick, it is so efficient. And I have to admit to you, I've never worked out without resistance and weights and so on and so forth. Now I work out with just my body weight, no equipment, and I love it. It's so healthy, it is so interesting. And I actually wonder if I will ever go back to going to the gym. I mean, this is amazing for me. But I love the way you put it, I love the way you say it. I will not come out of this worse than I came in. I think that's such an interesting and simple target for everyone to have. Yeah, it's just a choice and it could just be in any aspect. Yeah, knowledge, we can learn a little more. Uh, there is so much online for that. Connection to people that we may have lost connection to, workout and health and fitness, um, yeah. Absolutely. Is there a hobby that you want to, do you want to play the piano or the guitar that's been sitting in the corner of your room for the last 10 years looking good but never been picked up? This is the time. Go play. I've, I've heard of people who are um, doing a lot of beautiful sketches and drawings. For many years, they've been waiting for a weekend to be able to get their paintings out and start painting. Oh, here you go. Paint your heart out. You never know where it may lead. But how about worry? I mean, some people are saying, oh, will I keep my job? Will I be able to find a job? Some people lost their jobs. How would you handle that? And it is difficult. It is difficult. There's no um, two things about it because at the end of the day, you have to pay rent. You got to have income. It escapes me. And this happens often when I need to reach out for a quote. But there was a quote, which I actually said it last week, about the fact that when we worry, we're paying a debt. Yeah. What was that quote? It was a great quote. We're paying interest on a debt. Yeah, you're paying on a debt that you don't owe. <laughs> exactly. And that's what worry is because very often over 90% of our worries never actually eventuate. But the realities are, if there are financial constraints, these are realities. Okay, but if you get to live another day, and if you've got the mindset of, I'm going to find a way to make it work, things will come up. Opportunities will come up. I'm not disregarding the fact that it could be painful. It will be painful. It is difficult because I've gone through the situation where I didn't have the income to pay my rent. And then I'd have to work out with the landlord to let me go through to be able to pay my rent in two or three months time. I've gone through that where I didn't know where that income was going to come to be able to pay that rent at some point in my life. But here we are today. Yeah, and somehow it continues. Huh? Somehow it continues. I've been asking people, and maybe that's a good opportunity to ask my listeners here, to recognize something that for some of us who kept our jobs working from home, who have our income, our expenses have declined so drastically. And I find an opportunity in this to say, could you please share some of that surplus with some of your friends that may not have had the same fortune, right? Want to give it away to them as a gift or want to lend them money, just help them go through this. Perhaps this invitation for us to stay at home is, as you rightly said, an invitation for us to become better. And what makes us better more than the compassion of helping another when they're going through a tough time? What a lovely thing. It reminds me of the all-in challenge. Yeah. that Michael Rubin started in the States. I'm not sure if you know about it or not, but that, that is so wonderful. I mean, I believe that's compassion because compassion is an action, right? Yeah, tell our listeners about that. What's the all-in challenge? I think it was last week or a number of days ago, Michael Rubin, who's an American businessman, thought, hey, we're talking about all the problems and the challenges that we're seeing. Why don't we do something about it? So he reached out to his network of celebrities and sports folks and people who own sports teams. And he said, hey, come on all in. And they called it an all-in challenge. I believe the website is called allinchallenge.com. And um, a lot of celebrities and a lot of um, superstars, so to speak, from different walks of life have come in and they will do things like Kevin Hart is doing. 
if you donate a bit of money, you go into the draw to actually be in his next movie. So you'll actually have a walk-in role in his next movie. Another person will do an experience with him or you can go out golfing, shopping, but they've all come together for a common good. And in the space of a week or less than a week, they've raised over $14 million to go towards food and medical supplies for a lot of people who need this. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. What you said is something that every single one of us can actually do. And I'm going to think about how I can actually implement this here. You're right, because when we're sitting at home, our expenses have come down. Can I help someone whom I know is in need? Maybe just take care of their grocery for next week. Absolutely. Yeah, send something to them. It's a small act. It's wonderful. It's simple. Order something online and send it to them, a basket of fresh produce or whatever. And in a very interesting way, I mean, I'll have to admit to you, part of my silver lining and what's going on here is my cost is a fraction of the cost. My time is much more because I don't have to go out for dinners and, you know, entertaining people and meeting people and so on. And the quality of the food, man, I mean, like, seriously, I've rarely ever ate healthier. I mean, I'm a good cook, but I cook more and I learn to cook more things. And it's just, there is a silver lining. Look, I can't have you on the podcast and not ask you about your area where you are a superstar. And we spoke about the current situation, but for listeners to learn from some of your skills about public speaking. So your go-to person, you're the gold standard on the topic. Give us a few tips for those of us who will go to public speaking when the quarantine is over and what should they do? If you're looking at speaking in public, you need to realize that speaking with impact to a large audience is more than just having the confidence to do so. I spend a lot of my time in the Middle East and one of the challenges that I've noticed over the last few years has been in a world where social media has allowed a lot of individuals to express themselves and has allowed for a lot more folks to be more confident. They feel that if they're able to go on stage and blah, 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 that that makes them a good speaker. When reality, it's not the case. And like anything like playing good music or like dancing, I like to dance, so I use dancing as an example. It's not just about moving your feet. It's knowing how to play with the music. It's knowing how to deliver your message. So I would say skill up as a tip. Now take a moment, find a voice that you resonate with or wherever you are in the world, whoever is the person that you like or you like to emulate and actually go and take lessons and practice. This is a great time to practice. And when you say skill up, is there a skill to public speaking, you, to playing with the music? When you dance, you take certain steps. Yes. When you're public speaking, how does that relate to the audience? As an example, when you're dancing, one of the things that I learned, I dance urban kids. And one of the things that I learned from one of the teachers was music has beats. So there's eight and 16. I'm not that much into music. So my limitation in terms of the vocab I can use, but it's eight beats or 16 beats. And every time you reach an eight or 16, the music has the potential to change. Knowing that alone has enabled me to become a better listener of music. So when I'm leading a lady and I'm dancing, I'm able to play with the music and dance according to the music, even though I might not know the song. Now, the lady whom I'm dancing with thinks that I know the song purely because I adjust to the music. Knowing that knowledge or having that knowledge and implementing it allowed me to become a better dancer. When you're communicating or when you're looking at presenting with impact, a tip and a skill that would be useful for anyone at any level would be the ability to tell stories and to be able to do so well. So if there was one thing that you can take away is perhaps whether you're an executive, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're pitching your idea, 
whether you're, you're speaking to your board or you're trying to lead a team, think of the message that you want to deliver and then ask yourself, how can I deliver this message in a storytelling format? And a good example is someone like you because you do this all the time and that's why you're very effective. Thank you. I love to tell stories and I'm really have always been impressed by your story, Kevin. I think you're a wonderful, wise, giving person. I think you have given us you're very kind. a lot of nice tips today. I don't know how to thank you enough. I will just tell our listeners to definitely check your upcoming podcast online. How do they do it? Thank you. Kevin Abderrahman. You've just released, huh? So a week and a half ago or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. And so people follow Kevin, find out. I think you will enjoy the conversations that he's putting out there. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Your work is absolutely amazing. I'm sure you hear this all the time, but it's well-deserved and you need to hear it a lot more. Your voice is awesome. It's very calming. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I need to hear that one a lot more, but uh, thank you. I try my best and with people like you, we have the chance together to do something amazing. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. I look forward to many more. And for all of you who joined us, Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for Mo Gaudet, Slow Mo, Soul for Happy, or One Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.